You are listening to Godly MBA Marketing Beyond Ambition podcast, episode 007. Welcome to the Godly MBA Marketing Beyond Ambition. This is the only podcast that will share and teach actionable and biblical marketing strategies to empower you, the value-based business owners and Christian entrepreneurs. Learn to communicate your message effectively in this noisy world so you can finally earn more, serve more, and give more. Now, here is your host, Kelly Botter. Hello, Kelly Bother here. Welcome to God the MBA podcast. Thank you so very much for tuning in. I know you have many options. So I just want you to know my team and I feel super honored that you chose to be here with us today. Today, our guest is Tony L. Brown. He's known as the system guy. He's a business system strategist, author, speaker, and trainer. He's also the author of Standard Procedure, How to Systemize Your Business, Reduce Your Workload, Increase Your Productivity, and Become Profitable. His goal is to help small business entrepreneurs like you and me to develop systems and processes that will help us to run our business more efficiently and giving us more free and flexible time to spend doing the things that we want to do. He also is the founder and director of operation at Youth Work Toolbox, a youth engagement agency he started in 2012. Now, in 2014, after 15 years of service, Tony left his full-time job within local government to run the business full-time. And he has since grown it to a team of over 15 people. And he served a range of clients, deliver youth work projects across the UK. You know, amazing thing is, in 2015, Tony was able to travel around Jamaica with his family for eight whole weeks while still running his business remotely. And how did he achieve that? Let's check with Tony. Hello, Tony. So happy that you're here with us. Hi, Kelly. Thank you for having me. I appreciate the, the opportunity and invitation. <laughs> you know, uh, I want to share a fun fun story or funny story. <laughs> One okay, day on. when I came across Tony's post on Facebook and about that, how he has a checklist for his kids to do household items. <laughs> I was like, all right, God, thank you. I am not the only system nuts. <laughs> my kids once told me, you know, in my household, we have a checklist for how yeah. to clean the toilet properly. <laughs> <laughs> it, it just makes things so much easier rather than me running behind him and saying, you forgot to polish the windowsill. You forgot to do this. You forgot to, to do that. Just give them a simple checklist and they can work through it. Even my little ones who are five and six is what, what's next, daddy? What's next? Okay. Now you need to pick up all the Lego off the floor and put it in the box over there. Brilliant. It just makes it so much easier. <laughs> That's wonderful. Well, I'm not so sure later on how they can find their spouse. But 
<laughs> we're setting up setting them up for trouble. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay, Tony, let's check about you know. I mean, I know you, but my yeah. listeners they probably not yet. So let's check a little bit about who you are, where you're from, and yeah. what is your business achievement. Break it about. Go ahead, break about okay. and uh, the story that may maybe how God revealed to you about your system building thing as well. Okay, yeah, happy to share. I mean, I like to start from the the day I was fifteen years old, and I went to go and see my careers advisor named Mr. Jones. That important day where you have to pick your options and and think about what you're going to do as a career. So off I went down the corridor to go and see Mr. Jones over in the library, and I walked in, and he pulled up a chair. He says, "Take a seat, Tony," and. I knew exactly what he was going to ask me. He was going to ask me, "What do you want to do when you leave school?" And as I was walking towards the library, I was thinking about my answer. I knew what I wanted to do. So, like I said, I pulled up a chair and he asked the question. He says, "So, what do you want to do as a career、um, when you leave school?" And I plucked up my courage. I looked him in the eye and I says, "I want to be a DJ. I want to be a producer, and I want to own my own record label." And Mr. Jones looked at me with what I would call a mix of shock and disgust. And he was like, "No, Tony, that's not a real job. What do you want to do as a real job?" In that short statement, all my dreams, all my goals were just just crushed. I had about ten seconds to reevaluate all my future. You know, that's what I wanted to do. He asked me, "What do I want to do?" And that's that's what I wanted to do. But you know, to him, that was the wrong answer. So I had to find the right answer. And I thought really quickly, as much as I, quick as I could. And I thought, well, my uncle's got a garage. That's a real job, you know. Working, working in a garage must be a real job. So I just said to him, "Well, I like cars. I could go and work my, with my uncle." And he, he smiled, he gave me the thumbs up, he ticked the boxes, and says, "Yep,、yeah, that's fine. Off you go." And that was the start of my career as a car body repair apprentice. Now, in those days, there was called YTS Youth Training Schemes. I was getting paid thirty pounds a week to go to college one day a week and work four days a week with my uncle. Those weren't my goals. Those weren't my dreams. But that kind of got me into the world of working. Fast forward, sort of, you know, a, f- a few years. I spent some time on the dole,、um, claiming benefits. Had a real rocky time up and down. And at my early twenties, I was at a very low point in my life. Some would say I was depressed. You know, not much was going on. I wasn't working.、Um, I had all this potential, but things just weren't going my way. But What I did used to do was go to youth centres. I would always go to youth centres and youth clubs and get involved in youth projects. So by this time, I was kind of out of the the youth sector or the youth centre age bracket. I was in my like my early twenties, but I thought I'm going to go in, go and say hi to the youth worker because they, they would always listen to you. You know, they was always there. They had time for you. They would listen to you. So I went to my local youth centre and I just poured out my heart to the to the youth worker there. I was like, oh, life's rubbish. Nothing's going on. You know, I ain't got no job, and it's just life's just rubbish. And he can't. I could see he felt my frustration. He felt my pain, and he says to me, "Do you want to do something?" And I was like, "Of course, I want to do something." So he drove me over to his manager, thirty-minute drive across the city, and took me into the office and introduced me to. Well, I already knew him, but he was like, "You know, have you got something for Tony to do?" And he shuffled around on his desk, found a piece of paper, handed it to me, and says, "Can you swim?" And I was like, "Well, yeah." And he gave me an opportunity to go and train to become a lifeguard instructor. Like to basically do a course to become a qualified lifeguard, and he also says, you know what, come to the youth club, and I want you to teach the other young people how to use the turntables and how to DJ, but I want you to do it voluntary. And I was like, I'm already broke, I've got no money, and you want me to work for free? But I thought I've got nothing else going on, why not? And that was my introduction to youth work 
as a career. So I started doing it for about four weeks. I was doing the, the lifeguard training course. I was teaching other young people how to DJ in youth clubs two or three nights a week. And that got really popular. And before I knew it, they were paying me on a part-time basis to deliver this DJ workshop I was doing. That went so well that I began to deliver that right across Wolverhampton, my, my local city. I delivered it in almost every youth centre in Wolverhampton. That went so well that I went from being a part-time worker and they offered me an opportunity to go and study to become full-time and they paid for me to go to university. That went so well that I got a job as a full-time youth worker and I just began to, to really grow and prosper in this career as a youth worker. I ended up becoming a centre manager and managing my own youth centre. I ended up becoming a project coordinator and managing a budget of £130,000 to develop a project for young people at risk of offending. That went so well that I ended up becoming the actual service manager and managing the entire service, three quarters of a million pound budget, managing you know 30 full-time staff, 150 part-time staff, and just basically being, you know, being in this position of, I'm basically managing all these projects and I started as a volunteer. So, you know, I like to, I like to encourage people with that story to say, you know, you can start from the bottom and work your way all the way to the top just by being faithful and just, just serving faithfully. Fast forward to 2010, 2011, the youth sector in the UK was hit with the biggest budget cuts it's ever faced. And um, one of my jobs as a senior manager was to restructure our service. We lost 50% of our workforce in that budget cut. We went from 26 full-time youth workers down to 12 in one cut. We went from over 150 part-time staff down to about 50. We lost a lot of our youth centres, a lot of our projects. It was a tough time. And regionally, a number of youth services in neighbouring cities had just been cut totally, they were gone. And a friend of mine, a colleague from a neighbouring youth service had just been made redundant. And he phoned me up, I remember, I'll never forget this day, I was driving home, um, I had an hour commute home and I was driving and he called me, put him on hands free, we were talking. And he says, you know what, Tony, he says, I know things are going well for you at the moment, you've got your senior manager job and you've still got your youth service. I've just been made redundant. If I can give you any advice, let me tell you this. Don't wait for things to get bad before you start taking action. Start building something now. Start building something of your own now. And, you know, we continued the conversation, but those words just, just echoed through my mind, you know, start building now, start building now. So as soon as I got in, I jumped on my, you know, got in, said hi to the family, jumped on my laptop and I went to the nearest domain name provider I could find and I registered youthworktoolbox.com because I knew I was going to do something related to sharing my youth work experience with the world. I didn't know what it was going to look like. I didn't know how it was going to pan out, but I just knew I'm going to register this domain and I'm going to start sharing stuff. Within about, about say, four to five weeks, I'd started blogging and I started a podcast called Youth Work Toolbox and I just started sharing my experiences. I was writing about the changes in the youth sector, the challenges that youth services were facing. I was writing, you know, inspirational articles for youth workers who I knew were going through a tough time. They were at risk of losing their jobs. So I just started to write and, and to support them and encourage them and motivate them. The same with the podcast. I was putting out um, episodes about how to deal with the challenges in the sector, how to prepare yourself for a job interview and all those type of things. And it began to get really popular. Fast forward to 2013, my job became at risk. And, um, you know, the email came from our chief executive and he was asking for requests for voluntary redundancy. And this is something I've been, I've been praying about for a long time. We'd spoke about it, me and my family spoke about it. And at one stage I said to my wife, the next time that email comes out from the chief exec, 
I'm going to put my hand up and take voluntary redundancy. And lo and behold, that day came and it was like big gulp, gulp, okay. Put your money where your mouth is now, Tony. Here's the opportunity. And again, thought about it, prayed about it. And I submitted my application for VR, for voluntary redundancy, and it was accepted. On the day that it was announced that I'd be taking voluntary redundancy, so we had a big, a big management meeting and it was going to announce that I'd be leaving. That, in that same meeting, one of my colleagues shared an email that came across their desk and it was a, an email from a national housing association who were looking for a freelance consultant to help them develop a youth engagement strategy. And it was a six month contract. And I just thought, if that's not a gift wow. <laughs> from God, what is? So I said, yeah, pass it over. I'll, I'll have a look at that. And um, I ended up applying for that opportunity. I ended up having to go for an interview. There was there was three people who, like two other competitors who put in a, a bid for that contract as well. I was successful in gaining that contract. So in December 2013, I walked straight out of my job and walked straight into a six month contract. So that was the start of, of my career as a, you know, as a freelance consultant working for myself. I'm sure we'll talk a bit more about that, but that, that's kind of my journey from, you know, from 15 to kind of where, where I am now and where my career started as a full-time self-employed. What a story, Tony. I mean, I, I know you for a while, but I did not know uh, those backgrounds. So, I mean, that it just show you that, you know, one action of obedience. Yeah. You could have just ignored when that friend said that. I, I, now we, we, we look back, it's easy to say, well, obviously he was sent by God to deliver that, that, that yeah. message. But that moment you could have. Yeah, yeah, could have ignored it and says, well, you know, things are okay for me. And even taking it a step further back, I always encourage people, if you get the opportunity to volunteer, volunteer because you don't know where that's going to take you. A lot of young people, obviously my businesses, I work with young people. A lot of young people are resistant to working for free. They've got this attitude like, I'm not working for free. However, when I look at the, the amount of opportunities that have come my way because of to volunteer my time and my services, major doors have been opened. I mean, even I, I can share the story about the new Media Europe conference. We can probably talk about that later. Yeah. The way I met Mike and Isabella, the coordinators of that conference, was because I volunteered my time. I offered to volunteer and serve at their conferences. And I had people in the sector, people that knew me, they were saying, you shouldn't be working on the reception. You shouldn't be running the mic. You should be speaking. And in my heart, I kind of knew that to be true. You know, I knew I had something more to offer, but I just knew that at that time, the Lord would have me to humble myself and just serve, just serve the people, be a part of the community, you know, just, just give people a great experience. Your time will come. And as you know, you know, this year that was acknowledged and, and I was given an opportunity to speak. Um, and you even, you, know, and you even earn an award. We're going to talk about that story afterwards. Yeah, yeah we'll talk about that later. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was recognised. So yeah. just the power of volunteering and serving others, it's, it's powerful, really powerful. Yeah, exactly. So Tony, you know that since 2004, you know, uh, I started yeah. my virtual coaching business. Now, mm -hmm. most of my clients, they are formal corporate executives and then they want to build up their business. We all heard that phrase, right? The pursue the freedom. Yeah. We love that to be our own boss and yeah. we can work whenever and yeah. wherever. However, you know, when the reality of working from home hits, it kind of all of a sudden that it seems like what works in the corporate world, the effectiveness, the efficiency kind of disappear at the home office. And, and I know you just launched an awesome book called Standard Procedure. 
how to systemize your business, reduce your workload, and increase your productivity and become more profitable. Can you share with us that why why it happens this way, and then what's the common mistake that we make as a solo entrepreneurs or small business owners? Well, I can pick up exactly where I just left off with my story. I made that transition from working in in the corporate for fifteen years within a local authority, and you know councils are very procedure driven. You know, there's a procedure for everything. If you want to claim back fifty pence from the council, you've got to follow this big, <laughs> this huge procedure. <laughs> it took you about six months to get it back. So, like you said, to go from that to then having more or less just this freedom. To do whatever I want, it's, I've got you know, I've got the freedom and flexibility to work as I wish. I thought it was going to be great. I thought you know I'm going to be my own boss. I'm going to manage my own time. I'm going to work the days I want to work. I'm going to work the hours I want to work, and I'm going to be able to have all this free and flexible time to enjoy life. However, the reality was totally different. I I came into this you know the, the freelance entrepreneurial lifestyle and found that I was working more hours than I'd ever worked before. I had less time to spend with my family. When I was at work, I would have a a comms team. I would have a a, a legal team. I would have an admin team. I'd have a, have a finance team. In my business, it was me. I had to do everything. So not only deliver the the goods and services and deliver the products, I had to market them. I had to promote them. I had to put the the contracts and agreements together. I had to manage all the books. I was just overwhelmed, and it got to a point where I was working. You know, twelve, fifteen, sometimes eighteen, twenty-hour days, and I was torn between wanting to spend that time with my family, but also, you know, having to grow and build this new business. And at one stage,、um, you know, I was, I was listening and learning, listening to a lot of podcasts and reading a lot of content, and I came across people like like Pat Flynn, like Chris Ducker, like Michael Hyatt, and others who oftentimes spoke about. How they'd use workflows and checklists and screencasts to delegate their work to teams of virtual workers, and I was like, "Wow, that sounds really interesting." And I began to look into that a lot more,、I、began to read about it a lot more. I read the E Myth, I read the Four Hour Work Week, and I just thought, I-, "I want this. I need this. I need to put these things in place because I can only do so much." Myself, you know, I've left work because I want to have more time with my family. You know, we've we've got four children, we home educate, and we're very much a family orientated family. You know, we're very much you know wanting to spend time together and and travel around and do all those type of things. However, my business was a barrier to that, and I knew this is not sustainable. So I got my head down and I started to develop systems and processes. And the first thing I done was I hired a virtual assistant for, to work. I think it was five hours a week for me, just helping out with my social media. And then that grew to like she started doing ten hours a week, fifteen hours a week. And then the day came where I went to go and see a client. I was already I was already working in a school, doing some youth coaching in a school, and an opportunity came for me to go and. Potentially get another contract, so I went to go and see that client. We sat down, we spoke, and they wanted me to come in at school for two days a week. And I was like, okay, I can only be in one place at one time, and I don't want to be stuck in a position where I'm 
jumping in my car, going to deliver at that school, finishing that session, jumping in my car, driving across the town, going to that. I just didn't want to do that. But I knew I couldn't afford to turn down that contract. So as we sat there and she was talking, I thought, I'm going to take a risk here. And I kind of plucked up my courage and I sheepishly says to her, um, you know, it's not going to be me delivering the work, don't you? And I kind of gulped inside and waited nervously. And she looked at me and she was like, um, well, of course, Tony, you're the business owner. We don't expect you to come in. You've got other things to do. And inside I was like, yes, <laughs> I was celebrating inside, but I kind of held my stern business face. Like, yeah, OK, yeah, that's great. Thank you. I just wanted to I just wanted you to know that. So we finished that meeting, we, we sealed that deal and I just I rushed home and I got my head down and started putting together worksheets, templates, you know, as, as much as I could to equip a team of workers to go into school and deliver that work on my behalf to the appropriate standard. And that was, a that was for me, that was a turning point. Since that day, I've never delivered the face-to-face -face elements of my business unless I've chosen to. Where before it was, it was me doing everything that was a start of what, what we now have, which is an agency model. So the way our business is structured now, our business model is I'll get the contracts and we've got a pool of staff who will go and deliver the contracts on our behalf. And um, it's, you know, what it showed me is scalability, the importance of equipping other people to deliver your products and services on, on your behalf. It's removing yourself out of the business and ensuring that your business is not dependent on you because you're a bottleneck. You can only be in one place at one time. And that, that was a real issue. And I think for a lot of small business entrepreneurs, a lot of solopreneurs, they think they've got the secret sauce. They think only they can do what they can do. And in one sense, it's true. We know we bring something unique to the table. We bring something unique to our business. And yes, we have got a special way of doing what we do. But if it's dependent on you doing it, when you stop working, what happens? oftentimes your business stops running. So I, I always say to people, get systems and processes in place that equips other people to deliver your secret sauce on your behalf, because you can, you can scale that. Once you can do it once, you can do it three times, 10 times. Before you know it, you've got a franchise model where your business is working for you nationally, globally, and you know, you're more or less free to just oversee that operation and enjoy the benefits of, of having a business that works for you rather than being stuck in your business, spinning all the plates, being frustrated and overwhelmed. And the key to doing that is by having what I now know are standard operating procedures. In a big corporate world, I hated them. I didn't hate them, but they, they, they could be seen as being, you know, red tape and bureaucracy and you've got all these loops to jump through. But I've learned that it's the only way to secure the quality of the service that you deliver to protect your brand as well. It's, it's so important for branding. It's so important for so many things, you know, to, to, to grow your business, to scale your business, to equip and empower other people to, to work on your behalf. It's very, very important. Yeah, I remember since now you mentioned about just even ensure the quality. I remember when I was working in hotel. So my corporate background was five-star hotels. And I still remember till this day, that is like over my first job in five-star hotel that probably is over gee i gotta reveal my age now you <laughs> <laughs> a, a few years yeah, ago yeah some some years ago <laughs> yeah and i i just graduated from university and i remember that was the first five-star hotel have uh, open in my country and we are in the pre-opening stage and one day the director of uh, food and beverage grabbed everybody, the, the, some team leaders. So we are 10 people. He grabbed us to one of the kitchens and they opened a cabinet. 
Then he said, "Today I gonna show you guys how to make a cup of coffee." Then I thought, "Why? I'm not even in food and beverage department. Ah,、uh, but you know, we do what boss say, right?" So, so he he said, "Now pay attention." So he opened the cabinet door. He said, "Step one: take out the saucer. Step two: take out the cup. Step three: take out the spoon." And step four, okay, don't 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 call me. I probably is wrong now. Uh,、yeah. turn the <laughs> turn the year of the cup to the forty five degree direction. He went on right, and then after he done, you know, before he did that, we thought, why it's the fast talk? Make a cup of coffee. You take all the things out, and you just push a button, right? You make a coffee, and then after he finished, and then he said, now you do it, right? So we ten people there. We did ten different versions, right? And then、uh, we saw, oh, oh, we are in trouble. <laughs> and that moment, Tony, when the door opened of that hotel, we have one thousand rooms. Yeah. So it's a big hotel,、mm-hmm. and we have one thousand six hundred employees. And he told us, say, see that now. I want our guests when they step into the hotel, sit in our coffee, either any restaurant of our our coffee shop. When they order that one cup of coffee, I need them to experience the same. Whether it's from you guys or from their tongue, maybe a couple of thousands down the employee, or and they are international chain, so they or all over the world. So we call that task break. Down and then as a leader, we have to we one of the thing. If you want to get promotion, you need to be able to write the task breakdown in your department.、Okay. That moment, I hated it. But <laughs> afterwards, I totally can see the benefits, right? Yeah. So Tony, let's talk about now. Enough of the story. Let's talk about. Can you share with us maybe three to five tips that how can we get started in our system building for our you know small business. Usually, when when I respond to that question, I, I pose a question back to say, "Where are you at the moment?" Because it depends where you are in your business. Now, for some startup businesses,、um, let's say someone's making a transition and they're just starting a business, I think they're in a very fortunate position because they can start from a systems point of view. They can start before they even. Are spinning any plates and turning any wheels and dealing with any customers, they can start to implement to develop and implement their systems from the offset. If you've already got a business and you're already spinning plates, it's a different matter because you've got to keep the operation running and then find the time to develop the systems without impacting on on the business delivery. So for me, the starting point really is finding out and identifying. Number one, why you want to develop the system? Is it going to replace an existing system or process that you're you've got in place? Is it going to update and refine something that you're already using, or is it is it a case of removing a bottleneck and removing yourself out of out of a process? So, in my example, I knew I needed to take myself out of the the face to face delivery because I was a bottleneck. I couldn't be in more than one place at one time. So for me, it was a case of okay, how do I get myself? Out of having to deliver the face-to-face work, and it was a case of developing worksheets, developing check sheets, etc., and equipping and working with other people for them to deliver on my behalf. So, this, for me, the starting point is number one: 
identify your, your core business activity. Have a look at your business. Take a step back and look at your business and see in what are the core things that we have to do to make this business work. And a tool that I usually use to do that is the business model canvas um, taken from the book, The Business Model Generation. For those watching the video, there it is. <laughs> so it's a great book. It's called The Business Model Generation. Don't worry, you we're going to put that in the show notes. Yeah. Yes, yeah. There's, you can actually download, if you go to Google and type in business model canvas, you can download a template. And all that is, it's a visual business plan. It's a visual representation of your business and it consists of nine building blocks, one of them being a value proposition, customer segments, customer relationships, etc. But the one you want to focus on is that one called the key activities. What are the key activities that make your business work? What do you have to do to make all this, this business function? Identify your core activities and then aim to find the one that will give you the biggest return on investment, but the biggest return on investment in time. Oftentimes when you speak to entrepreneurs and you say the biggest return on investment, straight away they think money, they think a monetary return. But in this case, what we're looking at is what's that one task that if I could delegate this task, it's going to give me the biggest return of investment of time back. Because what you want to do is start to deposit time back into your account. We haven't got enough time to do everything. The majority of us are time poor. So it's about identifying that task that will give you the biggest return on investment of time. Once you've identified that, that activity, it's, um, like you said, it's that, what did you call it? The task... Um, breakdown. Task breakdown. It's doing a task breakdown and starting from the top, working right the way through to completion. What are the steps involved in completing that task from start to finish? Now, usually when I work with clients and we do that, they write down the headline tasks, the big things. But what I say to them is there are little minor tasks, there, there are minor steps that you're probably blind to, that you probably don't even realise you do. That's that secret source, you know, the way you edit your podcast or the way you deliver your service, it's you bring your uniqueness to that. You want to try to capture that in that step-by-step, -step, in that task breakdown, so that you can ensure that when some when you delegate it to somebody and they deliver it on your behalf, they do it exactly as you would be doing it yourself. So once you've done that from top to bottom, right the way through to completion, the test case is to hand it on to hand it over to someone who's never done it before and see if they could walk through that task. It's likely they're going to come back and say, how do I do this or what do I do here? So then that, that then identifies to you that you've got some gaps to fill. You'll then go in and fill in those gaps and get it to a point where there's no need for them to ask any questions anymore. You can hand it off to someone. They can walk through that task breakdown, that, that simple step-by-step -step procedure and deliver that task and complete that task to the required standard as if you were doing it yourself. Once you've done that, I would I would suggest putting it in some sort of visual format. So rather than just having a, a logical checklist, text-based checklist, if you could create a, a flowchart diagram, because some people are more visual, some people would like the text, others, they want to see it, they want to see how it flows. And I'm a very visual person. So for me, I would transfer that into some type of flowchart, very visual flowchart, add all the details in there, add what comes next and, you know, make it look really, really nice and visual. Is there any uh, specific software you use or? Yeah, I mean, you, with, with the flowcharts, I mean, you can use mind mapping software. There's free mind mapping apps you can use, which are quite useful for things like that. I mean, I've used, I've used Simple Minds, I've used Mind, Node. So there's a number of free ones. For me, I'm not really that precious about the tools, Kelly. I'm like, you know, you can try this, you can try that. It's whatever works for you. So when, I, when I've 
done my process in the past, I've used, I'm quite analog, I use like post-it notes, flip chart pens and paper. You know, I want to write it all down and stick it up all over my wall. That's how I like to do it. But I always say to people, whatever works for you, if you want to use Evernote, if you want to use, you know, Microsoft Word, whatever works for you, just, just document it, get it out of your head, get all those processes out of your head and get them on paper, get them documented because you can't share your thoughts with someone every time they need to run a task or else you're going to be on the end of the phone saying, okay, now do this, now do that. And you're going to be constantly, you know, you might as well do it yourself if you're going to keep having to instruct someone verbally on how to do it. So get it get it out of your head, get it documented in a, um, a document that you can share with somebody else. Right. Sometimes yeah. I found uh, helpful to me and my VA, I use screencast. You know, Excellent. Right. Yeah. Sometimes it's difficult yeah. to say, oh, that's it, especially the graphic stuff, or you say, okay, or in the right hand side, do this, or change that color to whatever. It's easier you just screencast it, you know, yeah. uh, and record it, and you voice over it. I, that's it yeah, yeah so it's a whole lot easier yeah definitely and that that would be a core component as well if you're going to have your standard operating procedures online let's say i mean a, an example i like to share is just a simple google drive folder you can have a google drive folder or a dropbox folder whichever you prefer i prefer google drive because i think their their sharing functionality is a bit better you can have a simple google drive folder and in that folder you've got a series of checklists which again could be google sheets you'd have your visual workflows again which could just be uh, something you've created in a mind map and save it as a pdf you could have done it in keynote again export it as a pdf as long as it's visual and you can share it like you just mentioned you'd have your screencasts saved in there and all these things all pull together so like you said when you delegate that task Rather than trying to explain to someone, okay, it's in the top right-hand corner, you just share that video with them. It's a simple walkthrough. You know, you're walking through the task and you're giving them a running commentary. It just makes it so much easier for them to be able to to achieve that task without you having to get on Skype or get on the phone and, and instruct them. And you'll just continue to build that up. You know, that folder will more or less become your your standard operating procedure. So previously, maybe a few years ago, you'd have a big folder on your shelf at the back with all these sections in there, where nowadays you can have all that online. And it's, you know, it would have everything from staff induction, your job descriptions, you know, how to edit your podcast. It would have maybe an, uh, an outline of who your your target market is, your avatar. You know, it would have links to all your social media. It, it would just basically be your operations manual, but all held online. And that's a simple, I call it a, a simple rough and rugged version. It's free to do. Most people can use Google Docs. It's easy to share. You can build a team on there and add, you know, add other people in the sharing functionality is really, really simple. And that's that's a real simple starting point. Yeah, exactly. So Tony, I'm sure that you know you are so perfect. <laughs> you never made mistake or any embarrassing moment or any funny thing happen to you in your entrepreneurial journey. Do you? Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You know, both of we are mm. laughing. Yeah, wait, wait till you guys hear his story. <laughs> okay, so you want you want a funny story about what happened to me in my entrepreneurial journey? Yeah. Where where do I start? Um, about the pillow. <laughs> so something happened pretty recently. So as as you're aware, Kelly, <laughs> we were both at the New Media Europe conference this year, last weekend. As we were recording this, yeah, it was as last we weekend. Recorded, yeah. yeah. So um, it was a great event. Um, you know, really great community. And 
lo and behold, I was there as, as a speaker. The hotel was it was a great hotel. The rooms were, were lovely and warm. The beds were really comfortable. We had a busy day on the, the, the Saturday getting down there. So I had about three hours sleep the night before. We had to get up at five o'clock in the morning. I had to drop the children off at my parents, which was an hour drive away. My dad dropped me and my wife at the, at the train station. We had a two and a half hour train ride to London. Got in, dropped the bags. I went straight down to the conference. It was a busy day. And, Here um, comes the excuse. <laughs> <laughs> so there was there was an interval between the, the morning part of the conference and the gala, which was in the evening. So I thought, okay, I'm going to go back to my room. I'm going to do a quick run through rehearsal of my workshop ready for the next day. And then I'm going to have a quick nap and go back down for the gala and the award ceremony. That was around half past five. The next thing I know, I woke up and it was about 10.30 and I grabbed my phone. I looked at my phone. And there was about 15 Twitter notifications saying, Tony, where are you? Tony, you've won an award. Where are you, dude? Get down here. <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> so basically, I'd been nominated for an award. I didn't even realise. And I was fast asleep, knocked out in my hotel room for like five hours. Missed everything. <laughs> so I came down the next day, totally embarrassed. I couldn't believe it. But like you said, th these things happen, you know, regardless of how people perceive you. You know, they might have this perception that you're this perfect person and whatever. Things happen and it just happened that I, I was knocked out. I was absolutely shattered. I, I expected to have an hour nap yeah. <laughs> and it turned into five hours. <laughs> well, now our, you know, our friend, uh, the PR expert, Jenna Marie, yeah. Marie, that I remember she even in the, in the Facebook, I think she say, Tony's awake. <laughs> <laughs> It's Tony awake. <laughs> I think that's a nice PR for you, Tony. Yeah, I think it is. I'm, I'm going to headline the story, how to win an award in your sleep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we will be looking forward to that blog post. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I, think, I think what it showed me was, um, like I said, we've got four children. We're a, we're a homeschooling family. I work from home. It's all go. And that was the first time I'd had some quiet time away from from my children for for years and it was almost like once i'd stopped and t and switched off there was no distractions my body just shut down and i slept so yes oh, next time set an alarm that's <laughs> that's the lesson big lesson learned key takeaway if you're going to have a nap between the guard the event and the gala set an alarm <laughs> yeah or you know you should like ask your friends the 59 friends who sent yeah. him twitter <laughs> tell them make sure wake him up before the gala dinner yeah. <laughs> That's it. So Tony yeah. now, uh what is your godly MBA moment? Meaning the moment that you realize that your business is not just business. I had a number of things I was considering to share. I'm gonna share two things. One of them was like I said, when I was at school and I was fifteen, I shared with my careers advisor that I wanted to be a DJ, to own my own studio, to own a record label, etc. Really what I was saying to him was I wanted to be an entrepreneur, but at that time, that's how I articulated it. I wanted to do something that I loved it, I loved doing and I wanted to do it as a career. So what I was saying to him was I wanted to be an entrepreneur and that didn't come to fruition for, for a long time. Like I said, I worked in corporate for, for a number of years, but I always had a desire to, to run my own business. Like I said, I, I worked with my uncle. I had an uncle over here in the UK who ran his own garage. You know, he had a number of people working for him. He had quite a big operation. I've also got an uncle in New York who um, has a shop in Brooklyn. 
and as a young uh, a young person I'd go over there for the six weeks holidays and spend time with him and seeing him you know hustling and, and going to Manhattan buying clothes bringing it back and dressing the shop window it really inspired me and I always knew I wanted to have my own business when I got to I'd say I was about uh, like mid mid 20s coming into my 30s I had this real desire to pursue that. My youth work career was growing. Like I said, I went from a, a centre manager, project manager, service manager, and I'd go out in the mornings and just, just you know, spend some time just in prayer, just walking, reflecting, just having that quiet time. And I would always pray. I'd be like, Lord, if it's not your will that I pursue this, this freelance, you know, entrepreneurial career, take the desire away from me because it's consuming me. You know, it's it's always on my mind. It's always that that burning desire is there. So if it's not your will that I do it, take it away from me. And that was my prayer for probably probably two or three years. You know, every morning that that was just a part of of my prayer because it was always on my heart. And lo and behold, here I am. You know, it, it, I believe it was God's will that I do this, not just for for my sake, but for the sake of of others, which leads on to my next point, having an opportunity to give people employment for me is a big deal. It's It means a lot to me because I was given an opportunity when I was younger. Like I said, I, I was I was borderline depressed. I, wasn't, I was on job seekers allowance, claiming benefits, and someone believed in me enough to give me an opportunity and they took a risk on me. You know, who knows how it could have turned out. I wasn't the man I was then, I am now. You know, I wasn't a Christian at the time. My, my values were very different. Anything could have happened. But that person trusted me enough and gave me an opportunity. And for me to have that that opportunity now to give other people an opportunity means means a lot to me. To me, it's almost like it's, it's a service, it's a ministry that I can... I mean, even recently, a, a few weeks ago, we interviewed a young man who was in exactly the same position as I was in. He'd, he'd lost his job. Nothing was, you know, I could see he was down. And I just, as he was sharing, I, I just recognised myself in him. I was there. I know exactly where you are. And although he wasn't qualified, although he didn't have the experience working with young people, I could see the spark and I knew this guy will make a great youth worker. He just needs an opportunity and we look past his lack of qualifications. We look past the fact that he hasn't got the the ideal experience and we gave him an opportunity and he's now working with us. And to me, that that's a big deal to be able to give people an opportunity to to grow and to to become the best versions of them. So that, that's a big deal for me. So that, that's what I would share in terms of my, my godly MBA moment. It's being able to to reach out and to give people an opportunity to improve their circumstances, to give them employment, to see them go from where they are and and, and support them in becoming a better version of themselves. That's a huge, Tony. I mean, that is huge. It reminds me that remember uh, uh, the 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 awesome then and lovely Joanne Miller, yeah, the keynote speaker in the New Media Europe. Uh, when mm. I, that moment, I asked a question, say how can we be entrepreneur and parent at the same time have an impact for next generations? And mm -hmm. uh, well, you basically, you know, uh, of course as a parents that, you know, our children, they are, they are, they are watching us, oh, but yeah. you even go further. I mean, you literally are provide opportunity for the youth. So well done, Tony. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even, even, uh, uh, 
business, youth work business, our tagline is equipping one generation to serve the next. That's the tagline of our business. Really? And and that's that's twofold. So we're not just equipping a generation of young people who are going to be our future leaders, you know, our future business owners, you know, we're we're equipping a a generation of youth workers to work with that generation. So it's almost like twofold. We're equipping youth workers to go and work with our future generation of young people. So it's it's a big deal for us. You know, we we very much got a heart for young people and I believe that everyone's got a responsibility to invest in the future of our you know of our world which is young people it's it's the best investment you can make yes you know, some people are invested in gold and silver and whatever else and all these big companies invest in young people because they're the ones who are going to make the decisions of the future yes. they're the ones who are going to be you know when we're old and grey and having to go in hospitals and and be you know be looked after it's those young people today that are going to be making our decisions so we've got a responsibility to get them on side to support them to equip them and you know grow them up to be, become the best versions of themselves exactly yeah. well Tony can I be happier for this I and mean, you have added so much value especially the pillow and bed in the hotel room <laughs> I'm never going to leave that down <laughs> no no you won't <laughs> but seriously uh, thank you so much for your time today and I'm just call I just feel it's honor to be your friend and oh, sister in Christ as well same with you Kelly you know I know, I know that there's there's a special there's something special going on here you know the lord has put us together for a reason so we'll see how this pans out i'm excited yeah exactly thank you again thank you kelly all the best i trust you have enjoyed this episode as much as i did as you can tell tony and i had great fun to create this episode for you and his obedience to god's voice has led him not only to his own personal breakthrough but also for many others whom he is called to impact on. I trust it did inspire you to cling even closer to God's voice. Remember, for all the information we mentioned during the show, please visit kellybother.com forward slash 007. Thank you so very much for listening to the show. We know you have given us your most valuable treasure, your time. And we don't take it lightly. We truly appreciate it. Did you enjoy the show? If yes, please share, subscribe, and give us your honest reviews on iTunes so my team and I can continuously produce valuable content for you. Don't forget, for all the goodies we mentioned during the show and my free gift for you, Business Blueprint for Christian Entrepreneurs, is at kellybother.com. Remember, you matter. See you in the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Godly MBA Podcast. For more actionable marketing tips and strategies and today's show notes, visit www.kellybotter.com.